Support for LAist comes from Pasadena Water and Power. Every individual's actions matter in preserving resources. Join the ripple effect to build a more resilient water future. Learn more about water programs, workshops, and ways to save at pwpweb.com slash the ripple effect. Support for LAist comes from Visual Communications, presenting VC Film Fest, celebrating 40 years of Asian and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander filmmaking, with over 200 films May 1st through 10th. Info at festival.vcmedia.org. LAist Studios. Hello, LA. We're going to the movies again. From LA Studios, this is How to LA. The show that helps you discover Los Angeles. We're back with another episode of Revival House, our love letter to the vintage and independent movie theaters around the city. Today, we're heading to Fairfax to check out the new Beverly Cinema, owned by filmmaker Quentin Tarantino, where movies are always on film. To understand why that film part is so special, well, you gotta listen to this episode. How do LA producer Victoria Alejandro is gonna take it from here. The new Beverly Cinema has had many, many lives. It's been an ice cream factory, a porn theater, a nightclub. The history of this theater, you know, is as varied as the as the city in which it resides. And today, it's a place where you can always catch a classic double feature or a marathon of, say, all the Twilight movies on 35mm. Quentin has a vast collection, cartoons, trailers, 35 features, 16 features. We have a warehouse full of film. I think there's a tendency to think film is precious, which it is, and we should be preserving it. But I think it's more important to be screening the prints. In this episode, we'll be hearing from the New Bev's theater manager, Jules McLean, projectionist Daniel Waken, and historian Ross Melnick. We'll get into the deal with film, the new Bev's past and present, and its place in L.A. right after this. Support for L.A.S. comes from Latino Theatre Company at the Los Angeles Theatre Center presenting American Mariachi by Jose Cruz Gonzalez. It's the 1970s and women can't be mariachis. Or can they? American Mariachi is a feel-good comedy about familia, amor, and tradición that will send your heart soaring and put a bounce in your step with a wave of vibrant, infectious live music. On stage through June 9th, tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org. Support for LAist comes from Pasadena Water and Power, inviting everyone to join the ripple effect. Water plays a pivotal role in our lives, and every individual's actions matter in preserving this resource. Each action we take starts the ripple of change, making a greater impact throughout the community. Be part of the ripple effect and learn more about water programs, workshops, and ways to save at pwpweb.com slash the ripple effect. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. I'm uh, Jules McLean, and I'm the uh, director of operations at the New Beverly Cinema, and we are heading up to the very fabled and sacred projection booth. So let's go see what's going on. At the New Beverly, the projection booth is where the magic happens. Everything at this revival house is always on film. 
So um, the projection booth and what's special about the new Beverly is that we only show film. So 16 millimeter or 35 millimeter only. And that includes any kind of like commercial or tag you see or trailers, cartoons, all on 35 millimeter. And screening stuff on film isn't a given for every revival house, let alone every movie theater. A lot of them converted to digital a few years ago or a decade ago. Many might not even have film projecting capabilities anymore. This is uh, Danielle Waken, and she is one of our projectionists. In fact, she is, um, I think you're our, our only full-time projectionist right now. So, yeah. I'm going to call you our head projectionist. Yeah. Before I started going to the New Beverly regularly, I was pretty intimidated by it. I didn't really understand the difference between 16mm and 35mm. Uh, the difference is the literal width of the film strip. 16 is usually lighter weight and lower quality. And I was worried it would be a space dominated by film bros ready to judge me. I think that is what makes above cool is what we show isn't just, you know, like Jean Dielman from Janice Films, which like a bunch of like, you know, like I said, film school people show up. But then we had like a Twilight marathon for Twilight fans. So it's like, we kind of show something for everyone. And I think that's also what makes us kind of special too. We're like part museum in a way. And then for the collect, like the IB tech geeks. And then we have like Twilight or Goofy movie for even kids. Like it's just, it's such a vast audience that we speak to. That's Danielle, the projectionist we met earlier. She's speaking to something that really resonated with me. I love quote unquote important films and I will never complain about a three hour runtime. And I also think the Twilight movies rock. The first one's the best, but we can fight about that later. I know what you are. Your skin is pale white and ice cold. You don't go out into the sunlight. Say it out loud. Say it. Vampire. Are you afraid? The New Bev is a place where the important stuff and the fun stuff both get shown on film, projected with the same amount of care, and can all pack a house. I've had a passion for film, I mean, for over 10 years. I went to film school, did all that, and then when I was in school, I learned about film projection, did it at another theater, but rarely got to touch prints. So working here is like a dream. Projecting film isn't just hitting play on a movie. There's a whole show going on up in the booth that audience members never get to see. Before the movie starts, the projectionists measure the film reel and mark out changeover cues. That's where they'll literally load and change the reel of film. Most feature films take up between five and nine reels. And there's like an art to it. There's, there's timing and that's why we, you know, have to do all these measurements. Um, but yeah, there's nothing better than whenever you hit every changeover and it's a perfect show. Or watching my coworker have a perfect show is also a very, very good feeling. When everything's on film, every screening is an experience. I know that might sound a little pretentious, but the tangible preparation that goes into screening something on film really does translate to the film feeling special for both projectionist and audience. Working here inspires me constantly, just being excited about movies, like after, okay, like here's a really good story, Phantom of the Paradise. Phantom of the Paradise, a 70s rock musical directed by Brian De Palma with music by Paul Williams, is another one of those cult hits. The film is a blend of Faust, Phantom of the Opera, and a critique of the music industry, with fabulous costumes, musical numbers, and a dash of horror. While it didn't get rave reviews upon its release, it found a dedicated fan base. 
even inspiring the French duo who would become Daft Punk. In this scene, a glam rock diva with golden glitter hair named Beef is given a starring role before the Phantom electrocutes him after a performance. It's all pretty dramatic and spectacular. One of my favorite screenings, I remember sitting there in the theater and when Beef came on screen, the whole audience roared and I was just smiling and I was like, this is why I work here. It's not even about like, oh, I'm touching film and like, I'm a projectionist and it's this performance that's really like, you know, important to me. I, I love doing it, but it's more about that moment where like everybody's screaming for Beef and I'm just like, this is the coolest job ever. <laughs> I think just immediately walking up here, I didn't realize how much film you have here all the time. All the time is a lot of film. Mm -hmm. You should see we have a warehouse full of film. We are the library. Yep, yeah, Quentin has a vast collection. Mm -hmm. Cartoons, trailers, 35 features, 16 features. And I'd say probably 60, 65% of the stuff we show is Quentin's collection. Wait, so how did Quentin Tarantino end up owning the new Bev? Uh, bear with us, it's kind of a long story. Here's historian Ross Melnick to help tell it. Well, the new Beverly is also and just another real, truly unique cinema, not only because of its history, but because of uh, the way that it has, it has emerged now as um, this kind of Tarantino house with a 35-millimeter only um, imprimatur. But it wasn't always a movie theater. The building's been around since 1929, and in the 30s, it was a candy workshop and then an ice cream manufacturer. And then it became Slapsy Maxie's Nightclub in 1937, starring the once famous Maxie Rosenblum. Slapsy Maxie's was huge. A celebrity hotspot run by actor and former boxer Maxie Rosenblum, nicknamed Slapsy for how he liked to throw a punch with an open glove. Home sweet home, the place where I was born. Where seldom is heard an encouraging word. Don't shoot at me, your grandson! Skippy! And a place where, even back then, Jules has a connection. I have pictures of my grandfather at Slapsy Maxie. It's nuts. Slapsy Maxie's moved locations and other nightclubs moved in and out of the space throughout the 40s. In the 50s, it became a venue for live theater, the New Globe. The demographics of the Fairfax area were shifting. The neighborhood was starting to become primarily Jewish. And the New Globe became a venue for actually Yiddish and other theater, which was, you know, we don't have that today, but it was actually in part because, again, because of the location. Uh, the Fairfax area, um, the Jewish community was leaving um, Boyle Heights and coming to Fairfax, which you can see from Cantor's and what used to be a very large domain of kosher bakeries and delis. Um, and so this was a place where um, Yiddish theater could actually survive for a time. But by 1958, live theater is no longer a film producer purchased the space and divided it into two cinemas named the Riviera Capri. The theater started programming art house and revival films and swiftly changed names a few times over the next five years. We haven't, haven't even gotten to the, uh, the scandalous eras yet. And this is a story we're going to hear a few times in this series. The 60s hit and almost every theater in the city had to make the decision. Pivot to porn or no. 
And some adult films came in in 67, and then it was renamed in 1970, the very appropriate Eros Theater, um, and which had not only films, but also live nude dancing. So scandalous. The Beverly name was inaugurated in 72, and adult films continued until about 1977. That's when local publishers started banning ads for adult films. Business started to dip, and there was an opening. In 1978, Sherman Torgan, a location scout described by the L.A. Times as a 33-year-old, quote, mild-mannered UCLA graduate in sociology, took over the theater. He's quoted as saying he wanted to get in a business that really had sort of a positive vibe. Movies put a smile on people's faces. The L.A. Times headline ran, Theater Returns to Respectability. Early double features at the now new Beverly that summer included Cabaret and Sweet Charity, Robert Altman's Three Women paired with Ingmar Bergman's Face to Face. So we have a great debt to pay to Sherman Torgan, and it's really nice that his son Michael has continued on and is one of our managers and just a key person at the new Beverly, so it's, it's nice to have that lineage. It was during this time that a young Quentin Tarantino started going to the movies here. It was his childhood movie house. So when Sherman Torgan died in 2007, amidst the boom of home media and the first year of Netflix streaming, the next step was an obvious one. Tarantino had already been subsidizing the theater for $5,000 a month. He purchased it outright in 2010 and took over operations in 2014. He's quoted as saying, As long as I'm alive, and as long as I'm rich, the new Beverly will be there, showing double features in 35mm. I've been running the New Beverly for 10 years now, and that's a decade. That sounds so crazy. And before that, I was Quentin Tarantino's personal assistant. And before that, um, I knew Quentin because we worked at Video Archives together. So we have a long history and friendship. Since I was his assistant, um, just one of the things you do for a film director is try to facilitate his dream. So I took that attitude to the New Beverly. I'm facilitating Quentin's dream, which was part of, you know, Sherman's dream. It's still mostly, you know, double features. So we maybe added a couple things, you know, the family matinees, cartoon clubs, got more aggressive on the on the midnights and stuff. The Tarantino Midnights, probably our most um, successful series every month. There are an assortment of midnight screenings you can catch at the New Bev. And would it surprise you to know that, yes, that does include Tarantino movies. They usually play as midnight screenings every few weeks. Movies like Kill Bill, Pulp Fiction, Django Unchained, and Glorious Bastards. The whole filmography, really. And we all worked for this man, Bill. Then one day, I decided to leave, settle down, and start a new life. But when I tried to get out, they did me in. We just played as a matinee once upon a time in Hollywood, sold out, had to turn people away. Two o'clock on a Friday. I'm Rick Dalton. It's my pleasure, Mr. Schwartz. Call me Marvin. Put it there. That's your son? No, it's my stunt double, Cliff Booth. So, but I just want to say it, it starts with Quentin and his energy is infectious, his passion, and it just kind of trickles down to all of us. And the theater's thriving, continuing the legacy of double features, always on film, and drawing crowds to Beverly Boulevard. Because of the pandemic and because we were closed, 
we seem to, once we reopen, got a whole new audience. Now, we still have our, our regulars and stuff. The folks that didn't come back were the older audience. So now you have this new influx of um, young folks and, and folks that are just have this craving for film and they want to be cinephiles and letterboxed as help and they they literally will write their letterbox review um in, in between the intermission on double features and stuff like that I, I think that's great we have got to do something for the next generation to ensure that not just like film as a medium but movie going continues and the importance of seeing it with an audience i cannot stress how important to see films with an audience that communal feeling you can't replicate that even if you have 10 people at your house you just can't replicate it how does it change the experience you know i think you get something emotionally and even though you might not know the 200 people you're sitting with you just had a collective experience you might go out into the sidewalk and hear somebody talking and be like oh i and you can get your point of view i know so many people that have met their husband, wife, partner here, you know, friendships, just because they came to the New Beverly. And there's a lot of people that come solo. So I think that is such a myth about, oh, I'm afraid to go to the movies alone and stuff like that. I run the New Beverly. I got lots of friends. I can't tell you how many times I come alone to the New Beverly or other theaters. So, and I feel like I'm not alone. So, you know, the movies are my friends. The movies are also very much my friends. Thanks for joining us. Next week on Revival House, we'll be heading to Vidiot's over in Eagle Rock. One of the weirdest and most interesting video stores in these parts is Vidiot's. We're the only store in Los Angeles that does carry the video artists and the independent filmmakers. We have a big cult section, which draws in a lot of people. See you then. That is it for us today. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Ross Melnick, Jules McLean, and Danielle Waken for helping us discover the new Beverly Cinema. We'll be back tomorrow with another Cheap Fast Eats. This time, we're heading out to Boyle Heights. This episode was produced by Victoria Alejandro. The rest of the How to LA team is Monica Bushman, Ellen Jacoby, Megan Botel, and Erica Washington. Engineering support on this series is provided by Hasmik Pagosian. Our executive producer is Megan Larson, and I'm your host, Brian De Los Santos. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes LA a better place to live. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.